This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Kia ora and welcome to Garden of Sound. I'm your host Ian Turner. Uh, before we hear from today's guest, I'd really appreciate you subscribing to the show. You can just head along to gardenofsound.nz and click that subscribe button or the Spotify link. That way you'll never miss a program again and as always you'll be helping to support local music. Today's show is Ryan Fisherman. Music has always been a part of his life, but as well as being a performer, He's also a sound tech, he's a teacher, a writer, and he describes himself as a jack of all trades, master of plenty. He's recently stepped out in his own right as a producer. He's lent his talents to the debut EP of Christchurch band Merlin Co., all from the comfort of his newly launched studio, The Hut. But what, or who next, for Ryan Fisherman? This is the Garden of Sound interview with Ryan Fisherman. Ryan, what's the first memory of music in your life? It would have to be my father playing BG songs or Michael Jackson and him kind of like explaining to me what a drum beat was and what it meant uh, to him. And to him that meant good timing and really solid a solid foundation of just kick and snare. As a as a young fella, I didn't really understand that, and I wasn't very musical when I was little. I didn't really listen to music until I got a bit older. But yeah, that would definitely be my first memory, listening, Dad putting on uh, a Bee Gees record uh, or dancing to Michael Jackson um, in, in the lounge with my, with my brother. The way that your father explained it does sound very knowledgeable. Was he a musician himself? He played probably for a wee bit and then he had us um, and then he dug up the drum kit when I was probably about uh, eight or something like that. I remember seeing it for the first time and being like, oh, well, what's this? And he gave me some sticks and he tried to get me to play something and he, that was the first time that I actually did anything, uh, played any instrument, anything musical that I'd actually kind of got behind something and been like, well, this is, this is, this is a lot of fun. You mentioned that your brother is musical too. Yes. Uh, what does he what does he do or play? He's a um saxophonist. Uh so he lives he lives in Auckland now and he uh he's played a lot of instruments over the years. He he was he started on the uh, recorder like a lot of us. Do you think that you were the favorite child because you got to play the drums? Dad's instrument? That's a good question. I think you know, I always thought that he was the favourite, but my parents would say there is no favourite. Um, just I would, I'd base it on because since he loved to study and he loved things like school, and I it's not that I didn't enjoy school, but I certainly didn't enjoy study or um, class. Where is your mother in all of this? We've heard a lot about your brother and your, my your father? dad. Yeah, I wouldn't say she's very musical. Um, my brother tried to teach her clarinet at one point. For some reason, when I when I picture my mama, mother singing, I I think of the Wizard of Oz, and I'm not sure why. <laughs> but yeah, maybe maybe she did sing that as a, as, as we were children, uh, somewhere over the rainbow for sure. I want to talk about influences because we'll talk about uh, Ryan Fisherman, the um, uh, the musician. Now you talked about drums. Where did your um where did your drums lead you? To, um, to play and who were you playing with? Well originally uh, it was a high school band uh, the first band I was in 
Sandfly Bay, which was with, you know, some really good friends. We played together for a long time. We've gone through a few bands. Uh, Golden Orange was the next one. And then a more recent one was called Rickshaw, which was kind of like an alternative country, more mellow. And then through that, I um, joined a lot of other bands I've, I've played drums in. More notably would be a band called Dopra, which was a kind of electronic trip-hop band. How do how the drums fit into that? Yeah, it's an interesting one because since it is, I guess, mainly electronic music, uh, you wouldn't think there would be much room for, I guess, a a drum kit. But live, it was um, quite cool because we got to do both. So I'd have um, a sampler loaded up with all the electronic sounds. And then I'd have a drum kit. So I'd be behind the drum kit with a sampler. And yeah, it would just be a mix of the two. And, and live... I think it was really important to us to have that because you lose a lot of it when it's electronic, especially you can't really play a drum beat the same as you would on an electronic uh, electronic drum kit as you could as a you know a real one. It is, it's, it's the character, it's the feel, it's the tone, the dynamics are completely different. So live it was really cool. When it was recorded though, it was it was a mix again, but it was predominantly electronic. So. And live you were playing to click, I presume? On on two of the songs, yes, I had a um, click track or or a drum beat in my headphones, but for the rest of it, it was mainly like me playing the drums and then maybe hitting a sound instead of triggering an actual drum beat. There were only two songs that we actually had. A, I had to play to a drum beat, um, and we liked to keep it that way. We we wanted to basically recreate the sound that we'd recorded and be able to pull it off live. And, you know, it would have been really easy for them to do it as a two-piece. Uh, when I say them, I mean um, Stephen and Indy, who were the, uh, I guess, main song, uh, yeah, songwriters in the band. Um, it could have been just them two triggering stuff. But it was really important to have a band behind it. So I th- we were a six-piece, so we had bass, two guitars, two singers, drums, and then two samplers. I want to talk, go back to the question about influences, and we've sort of travelled a long and winding road um, <laughs> although you didn't really mention the Beatles at any point in that. We've talked about Michael Jackson and the Bee Gees. Mm. Um, then we've talked about sort of like an uh, electronic sort of country kind of thing all the way through to, to, to Dopra. What sort of artists um, uh, have specifically influenced you on your journey? It's uh, There's been a few. Um, more recently, a fellow called um, Cass McCombs, um, he's a American fella who's he's like a real nervous kind of songwriter, and I really love his stuff. Um, but there's also like Kiwi bands. I think the main one, like when I think back to what got me into songwriting, um, was a band that I listened to in high school called the Phoenix Foundation, which are um, New Zealand guys, which you probably know. Um, and for me, it was it was kind of like they they had such a unusual approach how anyway that I thought I thought they did um to to songwriting they weren't your kind of standard songs and I really liked that it stuck out to me um hearing songs differently you know recorded differently written differently they they were kind of like pop songs but with like this weird kind of twist I don't know I, I it was it was unusual but not to the point where it's like 
this isn't good. It's like, it's interesting. It's really interesting. It makes me think about sonically, like what's going on in the recording, uh, why they've structured it like this. Um, and it just musically, it was exciting for me. Is there a particular track you'd like to play from one of your influences right now? If I had to pick one, uh, yeah, it would be um, a song called Nest Egg, which I remember seeing live. Higley Park, it was like one of those cheapest chips, or uh, I can't remember the day in the park, there was something like that. And they, I'd heard this, the recording before, but I'd never seen them play it live. And it was like, oh my God, it was so different. Uh, and that's that that for me was amazing because it was like you hear it recorded and then you see it live and they can be so different so that song has always stuck out to me and it's been one of my favorites um so yeah the nest egg by the phoenix foundation would definitely be it a nest egg may be rotten All our dreams forgotten But I am not downtrodden I'm a floating And you might say I'm a drifting Sift around, sifting. But the point is listening. On the way, and now my bow is a listing. And the shot I fire is missing
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Ryan Fishman on Plains FM 96.9. Ryan, um, I want to talk about gigs. Now, you've already sort of mentioned Phoenix Foundation mm-hmm, and so on mm-hmm. years ago. What was the, what was the first uh, music gig, perhaps, that you, you paid some money or somebody else paid some cash oh, for like you to a, get along to? Kind of like a, like a concert or yeah. something? I'd have to say Kings of Leon down here in Christchurch, uh, and that was back in high school. That was the first, I'd say, big concert I went to. Uh, like by myself or with my friends, no parents sort of thing. And at the time, I was like, yeah, this is this is good. This is amazing. I've never been, I've never seen a band on a big stage, heard of this big sound before. Until it got to like probably two thirds of the show. And, you know, I was right up front, or I, or I was, I should say, uh, in the mosh pit. And there was this fella who's, who was dancing, you know, and he was he was really into it. This this was um you know this was around the release of their third album so it was they were playing a lot of their first two records, and this guy his dance move was basically just elbowing me in the head, and I was like um it's pretty smooth. It was, <laughs> so after about you know five of those I was like I'm I'm getting out of here this is just too much. I've always been quite a short guy, so I was right at the perfect height, and his dance move was just bang, he's smashing me in the nose, and I thought, man, if I just stay here, I'm either going to get knocked out, or I'm going to get a bleeding nose. So I kind of, you know, retreated, you could say, to the middle of the mosh pit, and I couldn't see a thing. I was sweaty. I was surrounded by people. How was the sound? It sounded horrible. Um... Is that because the band were horrible or just the the mix where you were? Yeah, I think or it was everything. It was a combination of being like overwhelmed, um, being surrounded by people, being tired. I'd never been to a concert where you're literally dancing for the the whole duration with just being swamped in with other people and you come out dripping. Um, at the start, I was really into it. I was like, this is amazing. It sounded good. I thought, and I always, I always think that now. Like thinking back to those big concerts, I don't think I've actually been to one that I've been like, "This sounds amazing." The only one I can think of was Radiohead um, up in Auckland, and I was like, "How the hell did they get this sound?" Um, it sounded incredible. It was so big. It was like you were in a stadium, and they were just blasting it, like the record through the like a stereo system that was amazing, <laughs> and they were there. So let's talk about your performing, uh, being on stage. You've you've gone through Rock Quest like many, yeah, many, yeah. many young people. Do you want to tell me about that sort of initial? Uh, I imagine that was one of your first live yeah, performing I, yeah, experiences. Yeah, I guess it would have been um, two thousand eight, two thousand seven. My band Sandfly Bay, which was um, me on drums, a guitarist Jack, and a singer, and a bass player uh, called Ben. The singer was called Slade, or is called Slade. And that was, you know, very alternative indie music. And we did Rock Quest a couple times. The first time we, we were year 10 and it went so bad. We did that thing, you know, where you like, you dress up, you put on like uh, like a suit jacket or a tie. You try and, you try and get this image going, but you're, you, you're a bit short, so nothing fits very well. And it just turns out really awkward. And I remember we did this thing where we thought it'd be cool to pull out a cell phone when someone was doing a solo and the singer would just point to the to Jack who was doing a solo and pull out his cell phone and pretend to be on it I don't know it was it was so ridiculous it was so cringe that after that show 
we we could like it's <laughs> it damaged us from then we did another rock quest in our senior years it would have been our second or last year of high school and we made the top 14 so you you've got the chance to go up to Auckland for the nationals um you send in your video but we didn't get selected so we we won the regional got the top 14 didn't get selected and this is Sandfly Bay Sandfly Bay was the name um another kind of classic rock quest band name you know just throw some words together it's not the worst i've heard (laughs) no no, there's some shockers out there i'm sure um i remember one band bridget jones's diarrhea um that's uh (laughs) those are the sort of names that you 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 will see tend to see in the rock quest um i'm sure there's been some more over the years i want to talk about favorite bits of music and we've talked about a whole heap and we've talked about, I guess, sonic excellence, mm. things that you've um, enjoyed. Have you got a favourite piece of music? Something that you carried with you always or maybe something which has tickled your fancy? One song that I would keep going back to or have listened to for a long time that still sonically is, you know, it's brilliant. The song, the songwriting for me is amazing. And... You know, there's no surprise. It's 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 by the Beatles, who I still think is you know one of the best bands. Um, and the song is called "She's So Heavy," um, and it's a really it's quite a long song. And I really love I love it because it's got this outro that's super long and it's super indulgent and it just goes on and on, and then it just stops. But there's just something about it sonically the way. Everything sounds. The guitar parts are amazing. The, the drums. The there's a there's an organ part um, that does these like stabs um, that I don't I don't think was actually played by any of the Beatles. But it's just that form again. It's it's got drums, guitar, uh, bass, and vocals. And I always appreciate that that form um, that setup. I guess there's just something about it. The just the standard, the classic. You know that band sound and that song to me is yeah it's it's that it's got everything it's got a great hook great structure it's got a great outro i love my outros for some reason and sonically it's it's quite exciting
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Ryan Fisherman on Plains FM 96.9. Now, we talked a lot about your music, talked a lot about you being a drummer, but um, being a producer and all that entails um, is a big part of your life as well. Now, uh, I have it on good authority um, that you have put together Merlin Co.'s most recent EP. Yes. Do you want to tell me about the process or that experience? Bless those young fellas, great guys, and it's been um, it's a lot of fun. I think they've I think they've really enjoyed it, and they've actually come back to record a uh, another single, which which sounds even better than the the first EP that they did. Why is that? There's uh, more gear now, basically, uh, more gear, and also we're more familiar with each other. So I was I was more comfortable with being like, let's do this drum sound with these drums. Um, and I, I think I was probably had a bit more direction this time because direction from them or uh, f- uh, from me, for me, I was, I was a bit more like, you know what, the the EP sounded good, but we can step it up. We can step it up for sure. Recording them was a good experience for both of us. They were one of the first bands that um, was recorded here in this space that I call the um, the Hut now. It has a name. I got a phone call and it was it was young Max and he said. Oh hey, we hear you've got a place, uh, and you record stuff. And I was like, "Yeah, I mean, sorta. I, I, I'm setting it up. It's just, it's just a band room. But yeah, come check it out." They came round, and they were like, "Oh, this is great. Like, we've we've got this EP we want to record. Can you help us out?" And I said, "Sure." And we stayed in touch, and then we worked things out, and then they showed up. We brought all the gear in. Just tell me about the pre-production process for those guys. You've decided to do it. I mean, did they just come in with the songs pre-written? Pretty much. I mean, ideally, you know, there would have been maybe some demos or something that I could have heard uh, beforehand. Uh, they had they had some footage of them playing at the Wonder Bar, so that was that was that was good enough. I could get semi-familiar with the songs, um, but I didn't change them too much, mainly because. I didn't. It was the. It was one of the first projects I'd done. Maybe the second. Um, so I didn't want to make too many big calls, but also I didn't want to throw them and and change the songs up so much that they would struggle to record them. Um, it was more uh, the experience for both of us, uh, me to learn how to work with bands, and get my ideas across in a way that doesn't shake it shake it too much for them, freak them out or whatever. And for them, I think it was good because then they got to record their songs and figure out how it all works. Because there's there's quite a big difference, I find, um, between playing live and recording. And you want to capture what you what you do when you play live. You know, you want that vibe and energy, but sometimes it doesn't translate. I find playing to the microphones is always a lot better than trying to play to, I guess... You want that energy when you're playing to a crowd, but sometimes you know if you if you've you've got that you'll be speeding up. You might be a bit out of time. You want that tightness, and you want this you want the sound to sonically sound really good. So when you're recording, I have a different approach. I I get them to think about that 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 situation when they're playing live, but also be very aware that it's being recorded, not to scare them because you know recording can be quite a stressful process. It can be very expensive and time-consuming, and it can be very draining because you're playing the same song over and over, and you want to keep that energy up. 
and I think it was it was great for both of us, especially them, because they'd probably never had to play those those songs over and over and over and over. And I could tell they were getting quite tired towards the end of it. But they did a really good job. And the, but basically the way we did it, they came in, set up, we mic'd up the drum kit, um, DI'd the bass, DI'd the keys, had a vocal, a guide vocal in the corner, um, and then guitar amps as well we mic'd up as guides. Whether we were going to keep them was really dependent on how they played in that take. If it was good, then I'd keep it. Um, but I told them, this is mainly for the drums and mainly for the bass, so let's focus on those. And we did about a few takes for each, I think. Uh, maybe the most takes we did on one song would be about four or five. Which song was that? It might have actually been Hey Boy. From a, I guess, producer's side of things, I thought... There was just so much going on. Let's just let's just chill it out, boys. Let's just strip it back a little bit. But whenever I think about music that I've listened to that I really like, a lot of it is, you know, it's it's quite chill or stripped. It's it's not a drummer just doing throwing in fills all the time or a guitarist just leading the whole time, you know. There's Were there artists or particular albums or specific tracks that either you or the band came into the recording with? I think uh, Mac DeMarco came up for them. Basically, it was kind of that jangly kind of tape and chorus sort of guitar sound. They heard of a, um, a band that I'd recorded before them called Vaguely Related, and they are uni students, so they're a little bit older. But again, it's it's it was similar. They, they heard that and they really liked it. And they're like, oh, that's kind of like the sound we want. You know, that um, again, it falls into that kind of... I don't want to say Mac DeMarco specifically, but it's definitely something about that kind of relaxed, um, casual, but still got a bit of like groove, it's happy, um, that sort of style. I don't know what you call it or what genre it is, but it seems to be very popular at the moment. Um, And after we did the drums, we moved on to the guitar overdubs and then the vocals. I think we smashed it out over a weekend, so it took us two days to do five tracks um it's pretty good yeah it was pretty quick especially for their first time ever recording they they tried it before at school or something like that and they said it didn't turn out too well it sounds like you've got a tremendous amount of maturity in the in the choices you make which i certainly didn't have <laughs> at that age where does that come from is uh, it experience well i mean i don't think i'm super experienced my father is his hobby is hi-fi he loves um, audio he loves his stereo when we were young he would always get me and my brother and my mother to sit in front of his stereo and he would say okay listen to this and then I'm going to play it through this and I want you to tell me what sounds better at the time I didn't actually really think about it but he was kind of training my ears to hear things and like he didn't he didn't realize it he was just like what sounds better this is my system against their system this is my cable worth $50 against their cable worth $1000 what sounds better does it make a difference he he would do this thing though where he would it wouldn't be like the whole song which really bugs me it's like he'd flick through the song like he'd have like three songs and he'd flick through them it's kind of like you know when you're at a party and then like someone puts in a song and then like someone changes it and you're like just just see it out to the end you know we're so close Gear change time, because it is time for some music. Can we hear something that you've uh, written Mm. or produced Mm -hmm. or played a hand in putting together? We'll put a song on that I wrote uh, two years ago. 
uh, it was written about the relationship between me and my father and also the relationship between my father and his father. It's called The Old Man and Me, um, and it features uh, a friend of mine called Marlon, who, uh, you know, you might, you probably have heard of. A lot of people in Christchurch definitely would have, will know him. He's kind of the, the golden boy, the little golden boy. And um, basically he sings the, the second harmony um, in the song. Kind of like, I, when I pitch it to him, I was like, J- just pretend you're my father. And, um, <laughs> How did that go down? I guess we'll hear it. (laughs) Yeah, we'll hear it. You'll you'll see how it turned out. Um, It's got a really long intro. A lot of my songs have... uh, Sorry, long outro. A lot of my songs have quite lengthy outros. Um, I just love long outros. And I guess, you know, it's it's that whole thing with that previous Beatles song and even the Phoenix Foundation. They all have these amazing outros. And it's just something I've picked up and have kept going. So, yeah, this one's called The Old Man and Me. Oh, it aches for rest 
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Ryan Fisherman on Plains FM 96.9. Uh, you've done quite a bit all the way from RockQuest through to uh, recording uh, Merlin Co. We've got Dopra as well. Mm-hmm. Now, what's your best musical memory or uh, or a project you've worked on? What's something that uh, sticks in your memory? Uh, uh, probably, yeah, it would be Dopra. Um, that was... And where does that name come from? Uh, it was uh, originally Stephen, uh, it was kind of a... I th- I th- I'm not sure if you'd say piss take, but it may have been. Anyway, he he kept Dopra, and he turned it into a band. He'd heard me playing Golden Orange, which was a um, kind of psychedelic indie band. Uh, he heard, he heard me play in Dunedin or something like that. And he's like, "Oh yeah, you should drum for this project." And I was like, "Yeah, sweet as." Anyway, yeah, we we, we it took off. Like we it started out, and I don't think we expected anything to happen. And then, like before we knew it, in the space of um, a couple of years we'd gone to uh a lot of these um lanyards yes behind me yes uh, um from that period so there's uh, a laneway one um an others way festival uh, the vodafone <laughs> new zealand music awards we were nominated for two i believe that was quite a fun time uh we opened for lord uh then we went to new york to do uh the cmj music marathon Unfulfilled goals or fantasies. You're in. You're in Christchurch in the hut. Um, if you'd asked me that a few years ago, I think I would have said like, uh, I just want to go and tour the world and and do shows like that. And 
I was actually presented an opportunity to do something similar, um, but I, I had to turn it down because, well, I didn't have to turn it down. I chose to turn it down because I, I wasn't doper at the time. What was that opportunity? At the time, friends of mine who, they started a band called Yumi Zuma, and they needed a drummer. Um, they had just done a tour, or they were about to do a tour with Shit Faker and then go to the States and then do Europe. And they were like, oh, do you want a drum? Like, it'd be really cool. Um, cause we, we, we want a drum. And I was like, oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. But it clashed with uh, Dopra because we were in New York at the same time that they needed to go over and do some shows. So I had to, I turned it down. But it would, I always think it would have been quite different if I had accepted that because I would have probably stayed in the band. But yeah, it's something that I can't really actually think about because I know I wouldn't have left Oprah to do that because, you know, the only reason they were asking me was because I was in Dopra. Now, I guess, in my current situation, something that I want to do, or a goal of mine, I guess you could say, is just actually record and write an album with a friend of mine um, who helped produce my my um, album that isn't out yet, but uh, and his name's Ben, he runs The Sitting Room out in Littleton, and he, I really, I really want to write an album with him um, and record it just me and him because he he spends a lot of his time recording like he, he that's his full time thing like he just he's he works so hard and all the time and i know that the chances of recording or writing an album with him would probably never happen because he doesn't have the time to do it but it's something i can fantasize over so you play drums he play guitar sing a little bit yeah well i mean he's he's similar um musically like when you think of Ben, well, I mean, I haven't known him for that long. I've only known him for and maybe... And this is Ben Edwards this is, talking This about? is Ben Edwards, yep. yeah. I've known him for maybe five years. So like, and I, he was introduced to me as, you know, the producer, the the guy who runs the sitting room. He's a recording wizard. I had never seen him play music before. Degrees K. Degrees K. I was, I was too young um, to see them. I've seen, like, right. seen footage of them play and stuff now. So he was introduced to me as like you know this guy who who records music who doesn't play it but over the years of course he I've seen him play on we've done quite a few albums now um I mean the amount of albums I've done with him would probably be uh, around 10 just under 20 but I mean he's done countless so like he's like he'd probably be like you haven't done that many albums <laughs> to me it seems like a lot um but I've over the years I've got to see him like play you know different instruments now and like see how he writes and it's it's really interesting and i think it'd be really cool to do an album with him but not as him engineering it but him as the sole kind of musical force behind it back into songwriting it'd be really cool is there any any track you want to take us out with today yeah well we'll play a a, a dopra song um it's called stranger people and um we never played this song live as a band we tried and um, it just it didn't work out. But it was probably one of the more well-known songs. I think that's why we felt like we needed to play it live. Um, but yeah, it's called Stranger People. And here it is.
Stranger People from Dopra. It's just one of the many groups Ryan Fisherman has been associated with over the years. Time for my track of the week, and it's from Tiny Ruins. Now, I'm not hugely familiar with the work of Holly and her band, but what initially attracted me to the tune I'm about to play you is the amazing guitar work, with some awesome production from Tom Healy. This is Olympic Girls. Stirring, shaken, all of us waking Under the same cover of sky You said my freedom feels like a white light 
sweet on the back seat Another day bolder I love spell rushes you by The smoke and the smolder We were only inches away Still had a long, long way to go Yeah, we were only inches away Still had a long, long way to go Weren't we born to break out To feel the muddy banks I think of you on the dance floor in a stockcoat motel. Olympic Girls from Tiny Ruins. It's off a third album of the same name that's due out on the 1st of February this year. Thanks for joining me today. My guest was Ryan Fisherman. You can find out more about Ryan by heading to gardenofsound.nz and clicking on his picture on the front page. 
From there, you can listen to all the tracks we talked about today on the Bespoke Spotify playlist. Right, next week on the show, we've got Lyndon Puffin. From the glam rock styling to the Puffins to pioneering the Littleton country sound, he's done it all. And you'll get to hear all about it next week. That's all for today. I'm Ian Turner. Thanks for joining me. I hope you've enjoyed yourself. I'd love to have you back same time next week for Garden of Sound. Haere da.